Right, okay, so after that technical difficulty we're on, this time mics are actually working. Uh, musicians for Mary Park 2. We've got two aspiring musicians here again. Uh, the two Jamies, as we'll call them. <laughs> Jamie Reed and Jamie Hill here with us. How, how is it, guys, even though I just asked you that question about 10 seconds ago? Oh, well, good, good to see nothing. Bounce back and ask how you are again. Yeah, well, nothing's changed in the last 20 seconds, so I think, <laughs> I think we're all good going forward. <laughs> So anyway, just before uh, I kind of realised what I'd done, we were just about to talk about, uh, like I said, your early life, where you grew up, and your first like memory moment of music that made you feel like I want to kind of pursue this as a passion, so to speak. Start with easy questions, will we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Start as you mean to go on, my friend. You're younger than me, you can remember easier. Sure. Well, I've always liked music. Mm. Ever since I was a Ever since I was a kid, um, but it was mainly when I was about, I would say about eighteen, nineteen, things sort of properly kicked in. Um, an Elvis video just popped up, and it was like a nineteen sixty eight comeback special. Or something. Yeah, and um, tight leather or black suit. Big leather black <laughs> suit. Yeah. suit sorry. The leather black suit, and um, <laughs> he was playing this song called "Baby, What You Want Me to Do," and it's a real bluesy song, real. Rhythm and blues type song, and uh, it's very early rock and roll sort of stuff. I was about to say it would probably um, be really representative of that era as well, I would imagine. Oh yeah, and um, that sort of just—I co- I saw him playing it, and he just looked so cool because he was really good looking, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> and he just looked so cool. I mean, the presence when he walked into the room, you could just sense the presence that he had, and he was playing that song, and it just sort of everything. It, I don't know what it was. But someone just went. And I was like, I've got to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I just want to be able to do that, and then. It was like a wee voice in my head was just like, "Go buy a guitar, go buy a guitar, go buy a guitar." And it was, I just kept, I can't, I, I couldn't help it. I just kept watching it, kept watching it, and it was fascinating. And then um, that led me to buy a guitar, and then that was like one of the first tunes I learned because I just had to be able to do it. Yeah, I feel like we can almost become, especially when we find some, we find something that we actually really want to pursue. We can almost become obsessed with things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not like in a like a bad way, but like a, no. like like when you analyze, uh, like you were saying that performance from Elvis and that, and it just kept you know the same kind of message kept running through your head. Like you need to learn this instrument, you need to at least try and learn this instrument. But um, and there's there's a, I was saying this on the the last musicians filmary episode that I was doing that the first moment in your life where you say okay I'm going to take something up, and then you make progress or a success in that. Not necessarily like you know playing in front of crowds straight away and whatever but like you said learning a song is like a really massive moment of euphoria Mm -hmm. and I don't think you ever experience that on the same level ever again after that Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of especially it's usually the same with whatever your influence when you're younger is usually the kind of person you'll be later on if that makes sense in the sense of you said uh, music was like quite a big thing for you as a kid growing up anyway Mm -hmm. but obviously there was that moment of um I don't want to say inspiration because it's quite a cliche word, isn't it? But well, that's exactly yeah. what it is. Exactly, it molds, yeah. exactly what it is. Or almost like it molds you, should I say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think it just it, it's. I think we're all creative in a way, right? As humans, and many people uh, express that in different ways, whether it's sport, music, uh, acting, so on and so forth. And I think it's just the first thing that kind of clicks with your mindset. That's the thing that just takes it to like the next level and then obviously your your you know your brain gets that enjoyment out of doing that that it just you know makes you 
go for it on a, on the next level. But um, so yeah, what about you? What about yourself, Jamie? We've, um, we've given you a bit of time to, <laughs> to think to reminisce. Um, it's quite difficult, really, because like I was trying to kind of think through. Like obviously, I was like ninety kid, so I was born in nineteen ninety. So like, kind of, brother was a bit older than me. Brother, so there's fourteen years between us. So kind of, there's so many different aspects of like kind of things that can influence me, like. Did his There's music taste rub off on you at all? Yes and no. Some things he loves, I hate. Some yeah. things he loves, I love more, kind mm. of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My brother's got like a va- He is really into music, to be fair. As is my dad. My mother, not as much as my dad, I would say, but she still kind of does listen to music quite a lot. Just her taste isn't that good. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, um, like things like from my father's side of things, it'd be like Kinks, Beatles, David Bowie, like kind of everything, like even like fifties, like Dean Martin, Frank Snyder, everything from like that, there, yeah. all the way to to kind of forefront, like kind of more kind of modern things, like Dad even likes kind of like I did like kind of Green Day kind of thing, things mm-hmm. like that. It's like kind of it's like the idea like the like, kind of modern punk thing, like from the jam and everything like that. Yeah, he sees like he can like kind of like not musical in the least, but he can kind of see the similarities between certain kind of things with yeah. them. So like when it came to I think the earliest I would have would be kind of probably kind of listening, like in the car or something like that, listening to songs like that, or like my, coming out of my brother's room, was things like that. It'd like be, be like stuff like that would be like in a time where radio was like the main platform of music, right? Yeah. If someone released a single, that would be where you first heard it, rather than obviously or go, on a cassette. Yeah, like on a cassette <laughs> in the old, car, good old VHS cassettes <laughs> all mm-hmm. over the place. But I think it, like obviously we'll maybe dive into that a bit later, but obviously there's so many more platforms now for music to just, anything really, right, to just be put out there um, with the creation of the internet and that. But I think one thing in common that from what we've talked about so far is like all these acts and that, there was a big sense of they enjoyed what they did and you could tell that in their yeah, performance, right? Like even from something like the Rat Pack, which is a total different style of music to Elvis, David Bowie and that, there was always an element of enjoyment and it, it it was infectious to like the crowds that they were playing to, or mm-hmm. you know halls, uh, you know concerts. There was like uh, I remember the Rat Pack was like it was like half, was half singing, half comedy club, right? Almost like yeah. when I, I watched like videos from the sixties and stuff like that. So, you's both kind of around the same teenage years, kind of get into music and that. How how did this relationship start? Did you meet? As friends outside of music, or was it something? Yeah, I know exactly. I know exactly how we met. I think before we say that, I, th- I was really early going into it though. Like you were saying, you were eighteen, nineteen when you started playing. Ah, uh, you were, you were a lot. I started playing when I was about thirteen. Thirteen, yeah. Thirteen, because like the way that like I really did start getting into music was like kind of, I had, like a keyboard for Christmas one year because mm. like a family friend had a keyboard and was like sitting button bashing and the thing <laughs> and all sorts of stuff. And then it came with like kind of, it was more or less out of boredom. It was like this kind of old like Yamaha keyboard kind of thing. It was like came with like sheet music, and like I had no idea like how to do it, but I could like kind of like it showed you like kind of like a printout of like all the kind of notes and everything. And I was like I couldn't name that one, two, three, four things I got for all like the kind of all the yellow, um, all the white keys, sorry, and like all the black keys. I kind of just left them because they were alien to me to begin yeah, with. Yeah. So like, you could play everything like kind of like in major scale or whatever like that. Did so like that was how I kind of started with music, and I was only about eight or nine then. Mm-hmm. Do you think like I think there's an element of people that self teach something. I'm not saying. Uh, first of all, actually, did you take up any lessons or anything like lessons that? Lessons with keyboard um, wasn't until a lot later on. It yeah. just started off as that self taught. 
because I, I feel like not to be like cynical or anything, but I think a lot of like music lessons and that is, it, I think there's a lot of it, and I think it's maybe school in general. There's a lot about like conditioning of like, okay, we're going to teach you to do this, but in a certain way, not your individuality or the way you want to express yourself. Just you know, follow what we're doing, yeah. and you pick that up. So I think like a lot of like self teaching and that is actually makes you know it's what makes people unique, right? In terms of what they put into it and what they actually put out of it afterwards, you know. I agree with that. So like because. When I was doing, when I was studying music for standard grades, that's like a thing of the past now, I suppose. But yeah, when I was yeah. doing standard grades, like third and fourth year, it was like all this kind of stuff out of like, it was like, it was just like, can I get, like, can I learn a song out of a book kind of thing? And it would get recorded and sent away to SQ or whatever. Like, the sound of the other songs, the riffs were like kind of almost ripped off, like kind of changed about and everything like that. You could recognize them taken from other songs and the chord progressions and things like that. But in my fourth year one, like, I'd already done, like, the different stuff before that, and then it's like, oh, you need another, like, song with, like, two minutes something. You need to add it in your portfolio before you do it. And, like, this is what you want to do. And they, they gave me a load of, like, songs for the kind of bands. I knew Thin Lizzy was one of my favourite bands. Then, so I was like, well, I'll do Thin Lizzy deal break. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting being, like, kind of told, like, all these kind of random songs. So I was basically told you're doing that. And then, like, it was kind of refreshing for the paternity and say, well, here's a song, book of songs you you will know because you're into rock music. So what one do you want out of all these? Mm-hmm. And it was like, can I say, like a kid at school, literally, like yeah. at the kind of at the shop getting sweeties. Like, well, what one can I choose? Because like there was just so many of them. It's like I would like to play any of them because it was so refreshing to do that as opposed to, like a curriculum kind of thing. Yeah, like a kind of more linear kind of like yeah. here's what you're learning today. Here's forty five minutes on the clock. Right. Try and try your best. <laughs> see how far you get through it, kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> see you next week. But, I was uh, complete opposite to that. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want to do? I don't want to. <laughs> I'm not interested. Like, Go him. When it, when it came to, honestly, when it came to anything, I mean, even when I was in high school, music wasn't something I wanted to pursue. Do you think that was more to do with the kind of establishment around it rather than the actual music itself? Oh, probably. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. I think if it was, you know, if if I was at home and they were saying, right, your education is just go teach yourself. Mm. I don't know, play guitar. Or you know, teach yourself write songs, so I would have probably done that. Or at but least to like input into it rather than here's a music sheet aye. and you know, you're either gonna fail or pass. Because music is one of the I think one of the things I appreciate about music the most is that it's not something you can be right or wrong at. You know, I mean there's so many different kind of ways of expressing yourself through music. Yeah. And I, I, like there's always a quote that I kinda of reference with Dave Grove where he was talking <coughs> about him and his bandmates. Uh, no uh, he was talking about like even though we do all this and that, that shouldn't discourage people that maybe uh, I don't want to say art because I think you can improve with anything. I don't really believe in like just off the cuff talent. I think you get out what you put in kind of mentality. And he was saying that even if you, you like suck, at least play in the the garage uh, and suck together. Do you know what I mean? And I think I think that's where there's with kind of passions and and where you go with that. There's like a fine line of. I'm a big believer of like corruption of the human mind in terms of whenever someone gains power and it comes in many forms like social status or or money so on and so forth that it can kind of blur your vision a bit mm-hmm. so people maybe start getting into music but maybe let's just say someone gets 3,000 listens on Spotify and they've had 50 before I feel like that's a, a point where you have to balance yourself and realise that I'm, I'm not doing yeah. it for that and you know like I, I've said before I'm not even immune to that because I think even in the day, like especially with the days of social media now, whenever someone likes your your post or shares something or whatever, you get a dopamine hit from that, and I think we all kind of feel that in a way. 
And I think we'd all be kind of lying to ourselves if we hadn't like seen like if someone's wished me happy birthday on Facebook or that. Do you I know what I mean? See how many you've got? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And I think like I'm actually so droll. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think it's maybe because I'm older. Like, I think the know. more. I think the more. The older I got, the more you know. I just didn't. Yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> definitely a a, a millennial thing as they like to report it in the media. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, uh, tell tell me a bit about how. You uh, came about becoming friends and stuff like that. Was it through music itself or nah. was it no, beforehand? No, no, no. Nah, I was out in my car one night and um, I was bored and I was just spinning about and uh, he was sitting in the station car park by himself oh, yeah. waiting for Susan to do his work. He's on his iPad and I knew, we knew each other but we weren't like pals at that yeah, point. Yeah, it's kind of like one of those I just pulled inside and I was like, what's going on? Yeah, I was literally about to say it's one of the nods. That's yeah, yeah. what it was, it? And then, I was just an acquaintance more than anything and else. And then yeah. we were uh, Scott talking about music and that and then I, obviously I was learning guitar at the time so I had no songs, I had nothing. Mm-hmm. Like I had nothing at this point. And then... Um, I think it was one night you taking your guitar out. I don't think you knew I realised I'd played guitar or that. I might have been some. I might have been jamming with someone else at the time, and um, then yeah, I, I might have had a guitar woman. That might have been what it was, and then uh, geezer shot, <laughs> and then that was it. We just started plastering tunes. I was yeah. just came bows after that, and just we were jamming and messing about. Really. Yeah. So there was that kind of mutual connection of you both were into music, right? So we didn't a lot more than that. We didn't like cars and all that as well. Yeah, a lot, so kind of, kind of, a lot of kind of common ground. ground with that. Mutual interest, I suppose you'd say. So when did it, it go from that, from you actually jamming together and that, like, you know, going round to... It was just a kind of mess about it, it was just somebody that hung out with me and anything else, just like, taking a guitar I, and thrash about. Aye. Like, can I, like, can you play this? Or, a couple of times. Ernest of words, like, kind of things like that. Yeah. Aye, a couple of times we go to, like, we were at a beach car park and we would just take our guitar out and just aye, randomly like just... Summer night, aye. aye. And then, obviously, the more, and then there's a friend of Jamie's that has got quite a bit of experience in recording and stuff and... He was like, oh, he's interested to come down and, you know, kind of help out a bit. So he was like, go write. He's like, have you got any songs? And I was like, nah. And he's like, go write some songs. And it took me a few years, didn't it? Yeah. Because yeah. I'm not going to release anything I'm not happy with, so. Yeah. I was waiting to perfect it. I don't know. I think you had a lot of songs in the back burner. It was just there was nothing you were happy with about putting out there. But you know what I'm like? I'm just terrible. At that. I'm a perfectionist, so. Yeah. If I, don't, if I look at it and I go, oh, that's not good enough, he'll go. Just these bits changed, eh? So it's like, I, I don't know, I just, it took me years to sort of go, aye, alright, okay, let's try this then. Mm-hmm. And then um, I eventually we got there. I remember the first one came around and recorded, like, we never really kind of started off like we were kind of in a band or anything like that. It was more so kind of, like, when I was 16, I'd got like this kind of thing, kind of not much bigger than that, it's like a Zoom MRS mm-hmm. 1608 or something, it's the proper term for it. It's a sixteen. It's a sixteen <laughs> input. It's a sixteen input um, recording studio. So it's like you've got kind of you've got eight inputs at the back that double up to the sixteen, and you've got two at the front for like guitars, like literally DI, like same as like kind of your three pin mic cables and everything. And then um, basically it just looks like a kind of PA missing desk, like the size of it. And you've got it's got like an integrated drum machine. Integrated bass as well. I never really use that, obviously, because you should play the bass guitar for stuff. And then you could literally kind of record that. It's got the metronome and everything on it. There's like effects and everything for putting in through the guitar. And then obviously, you've got like a kind of CD ROM bit as well for like literally burning on a CD. 
so like throughout like kind of from I was like 16 I've been kind of playing about with this thing for ages and then like like there was kind of actually kind of a time in life where I kind of just got a bit disillusioned with music to be honest and then like I'd, I'd like just lay in my room collecting dust for years and yeah. I never kind of used it was it a bit of like to do with more like the external things like the kind of technology that went into it rather than the music itself that you got disillusioned with no, I just got disillusioned with playing music. It wasn't necessarily that part of like the music I got disillusioned. I was like playing about with that all the time and like recording stuff and doing different things. Just the music in general, I just kind of got fed up of. Yeah, so you kind of not lost a bit of love for it, but maybe yeah, basically lost, I did, yeah, yeah. lost a bit of love for it temporarily. You get caught up in life, though. Yeah, do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Like, so kind of for someone to play guitar every day and everything like that, it was a case of like it could be like five, six months, and I hadn't picked a thing up or even looked at it, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Was that's I'm definitely not as like kind of fast or as good as I used to be yeah. when I was a teenager because like, as I said, from like fourteen till about seventeen, I was playing it kind of every day, kind of all the time. Probably when I was seventeen, a little less, but from fourteen to like sixteen, sixteen and a half, definitely. Mm-hmm. It was like hours and hours upon end playing it. What 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 made you get back into it? It's a difficult question. Um, probably when small talk the way small talk started because it was like. It was usually kind of just jamming and everything like that. So by the time I was about 17, I was kind of fed up and everything like that. And then, like, about a year later, I kind of... It's my music... Kind of music... How do I put it? My music... Um, music taste, sorry, had changed. So it was like instead of kind of listening to like a lot of kind of heavy metal and stuff, like, cause that's what it was. It was a like kill switch engage from Terra... Several two machine head different things like that I was kind of listening to, mm-hmm. like I then started kind of it went all round about myself and like I was saying like how my father used to listen to like Kinks and David Bowie and things like that, like when I was kind of like growing up like I'd basically listened to all that too much mm-hmm. as a youth and like Oasis and everything. Listen yeah. to Stone Roses I'd listened to way too much when I was a youth and it's like can't listen to that anymore. So I'd listen to like kind of a lot of rock, Nirvana, Foo Fighters, Guns and Roses, all like kind of usual bands you'd listen to. Like in high school, kind of when you're into rock music, like all that kind of stuff was at the forefront. Then it started kind of progressing on to kind of heavier stuff and things like that. And then it kind of obviously, like I was saying, I got fed up. Of, I just I don't know why I just did get kind of fed up of listening to all that all the time. And I remember, like I think it was like MTV Two, it was called at the time, watching like TV, and it was like Libertines had come on. And it was like actually kind of like I didn't mind them anyway, but like it started like it was like literally like about like an hour's worth of their songs. I was like listening to lyrics and it's like this is actually a genius. Mm. And that was like where I really kind of fell in love with like Pete Doherty and like his lyric writing, like musically, like like guitar wise, like my favorite guitarist, Steve Vai, is never gonna be Pete Doherty. Like yeah. he's a good guitarist, but he's not like kind of into like, that. He's not in that spectrum of guitar. But he would never would be. But then again, Steve Vai couldn't write lyrics like Pete Doherty does either. Was it? I, I don't want to use the word intimidating, but was it quite um, almost confusing because like we're. We we approach a period in our lives when we're teenagers and that where we kind of think nothing's ever going to change and we don't want it to change, right? Like especially when, um, you know, you get so used to like going to school and having like this kind of routine. I could wait for that to end. So and then I? when it does end, though, like it's all kind of like different than that. And people do change, right, as they grow up. Not you know some for better, some for worse, some whatever. But like along with that, like you know, tastes and stuff can change. Yeah, and I think it's quite a. I'm, you know, I might be kind of going overboard here, but it can be probably quite an intense thing for people to like almost battle with themselves. Like, why do I 
I not like this anymore, but I like that. Do you know what I mean? I think it was just. I think it's the whole idea. Can I? Like if you like, like if you've got a favorite song, mm-hmm. if you had it on repeat for so long, you just get fed up of it, kind of thing. You almost build like a tolerance level. Yeah, to it, it was yeah. like that, and it was like oh, rinsing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well and truly rinsed. Eh? That's what happened. There's like, no moisture left in that song. <laughs> that, just cooked it. Believe me, I cooked so many tunes. <laughs> but no, I think that's pretty much what happened for me. And it was like kind of so obviously the Foo Fighters was like kind of a band that would like me and guy Dazzy would jam, and then like. You got to that, and then I started kind of playing songs like that, and I was like, I started kind of going back down the kind of indie route again, and it's like, Arctic Monkeys, like it's, like when you listen to their lyrics, it's like, it's so cryptic. And the good thing about it being cryptic is the idea that kind of, it's so, I'm saying it's so vague, it's like, so many people could like relate to a song, mm-hmm. because it's not like one specific it can be small thing. People can interpret it differently, like, Fighters ever long, like Dave Roll says, like that's one of the songs that everybody kind of feels something from and everything like that. And it's like it's, it's got absolutely nothing to do with like what he had put into it, kind of thing. But everybody else seems to feel something from yeah, it, and they've got their own kind of way of interpreting that song. And that was the way I like the Arctic Monkeys. It was like their lyrics came out like so vague and everything like that that like people could interpret it, and their lyrics, like I'm saying, were so cryptic that everything kind of came out that way. But at the same time, it told a story kind of thing. Yeah. I, I also think you mentioned the song Everlong. That's got to be like one of the best instrumentals I've ever heard in my life yeah. as well. I still go back to that song. Like, that, that's, that is one song I know we're talking about, like rinsing and drying the moisture <laughs> out of it. I think it's like overcooked or something in my Spotify <laughs> library. Do you know what I mean? If you're going to learn a song in Drop D, that's the tune. I think that's what everybody does first <laughs> in Drop D, isn't it? It's either that or Velvet Revolver Sliver or something, I think. Aye, aye, one of the two. Yeah. I always remember like uh, in school, a lot of people. I think this was just because it was quite, I don't want to say straightforward and disrespect anyone, but uh, Smoke on the Water was always one that I used to hear people play on the guitar and like the back of the music room. Like, like, it, it, was it wasn't really one that I ever kind of heard anybody kind of start playing. I think the one that everybody started playing was like Come As You Are Rift to Nirvana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've seen the people in my music class, it was Smoke on the Water. Mm-hmm. Was it? I don't know if anybody would have been able to figure out that uh, Nirvana I think I'd come across that quicker than I would smoke in the water chords at least it's just like one note kind of thing for Nirvana no mm-hmm. no. if you're playing smoke in the water with one string I have one string let's do the bass notes <laughs> so you you get into songwriting right and I'd imagine you, you're kind of going into this almost blind right because like you said someone said that you should start doing this as a bat yeah, like had absolutely no kind of experience of this. Okay. So, tell me about like that kind of early experience of because you're basically with a blank canvas to start with, right? And you're to kind of think, right? I need to have maybe like a, a kind of story behind this, and then kind of develop it from there. Mm-hmm. Well, I was playing chords on a good. I was just messing about, and I didn't really know what I was doing. It's completely different to how I write now. Mm. See, a lot of people will say, "Oh, you just sit in front of the TV with a guitar and just." play chords and someone will hit you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it happens that way, but not very often for me. When I wrote the first song I ever wrote, I remember it was like, it was really like a doom and gloom so- sort of tune because I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't know what genre I really wanted to pursue. I knew it was rock and roll, but I didn't know what area of that I wanted to do. So I wrote the song and I think the first ever time I played it to you and I played it to Dazzy, remember, Mm-hmm. in the car yeah. and Dodgy was like holy shit you can actually sing 
Mm. <laughs> he didn't know, right? No, no one had heard. Nobody knew, right? And uh, anyway, I had like Nip the really hard to sing anything before. And he goes, "The song's all right," he says, "but arrangement's terrible." I was like, "Aye, hundred percent." I imagine you were like on cloud nine and just came down <laughs> with a big slump. That kind of little criticism at the end. At the end of the day, I knew the song was in my. I mean, even then, right, it was my first song, and, and it actually sounded all right. But yeah, I, I even I was going, "That's fucking shit. It's terrible." But then, it's it's it wasn't it was just like the arrangement was just a little bit off. There was maybe a, a maybe an extra verse that didn't need to be there. Do you know what I mean? And then yeah. I could have just hit like a bridge or something, and then it would have been fine. But yeah, it's totally different to how I do it, man. Was there was there almost an element when you started of trying to make a song good rather than trying to make a song that you very wanted much, to make? Very much. I think that can like we said because like. It's dangerous to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like you kind of go into something, and even like looking back and things, I can kind of relate to what you're saying about how oh, you know I don't like this, and because I I was saying to um the filmmaker that I had on recently, that I think whoever's made the best like music films, whatever it will be in history, if you show them that film back, there's probably something they'll pick out and be like, I could have done something better with that, and like this is after going to like all the awards, people recognize it around the world, becomes like a iconic culturally for some people and whatnot i think it can be a blessing and a curse right being a perfectionist because obviously you know you uh revise what you've done and, and whatever and and make adjustments accordingly and whatever but it can also have that kind of paranoia effect to you right like like you don't know when to release it like you said just because it's like you're thinking about it and thinking about it, it's like oh this can be better can be better can be better yeah. you remember that filmmaker guy it's like it's like can i see him when he was on and everything like that obviously there was the kind of thing for his Facebook mm. and on it it's like I've never seen this guy before it's like kind of quite interesting filmmaker from Aussie and everything like that because mm. like then I looked at it it's like, like on his Facebook it's showing a picture of his front garden it's like I know that <laughs> and I looked again it's like that's like literally 20 yards from my house <laughs> from my front door to his front door is about 25-30 yards away it's like I've never seen this guy before. Small world, man. <laughs> it's like, why have I never seen this guy before? Out filmmaking, I would imagine. <laughs> I'm like, like, just like, hermit and don't leave the house. Well, you never know. Oh, well. When you're on about perfection, though, I mean, it's seriously, it's like, the man, I wrote, the first ever song I wrote that I went, wow, was a song called Take It For A Ride, and that's when I went, okay, it's rock and roll, that's just, this is just happening now. Because I, I, it was almost as though I just discovered fire when I, yeah, yeah, when yeah. I wrote that song. Keep on. Aye. And then, <laughs> I, as you say, you sort of want to keep perfecting it, keep perfecting it, keep perfecting it. Jamie, I think even Jamie had to say, I but it's fine, just leave it. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like, we were at it for hours. Like, I can remember, I genuinely remember that day, clear as day. Um, I remember going around your house and like, kind of saying, I've got a couple of tunes with records. So I recorded one. It was like an acoustic. It's actually one of my favorite ones you just recorded. Then we done this one. It's like it was like chalk and cheese, like night and day, kind of between the two differences. Like the, this is pretty cool. It was just like the, the chords and the vocals was laid down. It's like he basically says to me, "It's like kind of." So like I just says to you, "Do I get free reign over this? Like, I go and see what you can do with this." Then, and it was like okay. And so like, and I tried different things. I was playing about like went back to my house with like that studio thing I was on about. I like played about kind of tune like through different, um, different effects and everything on it, doing things, and I was like trying. I was basically overcomplicating it, and then I just came up with like a simple riff to it. Like, it literally couldn't have been easier. No. Just pentatonic minor, and it was like kind of like that sounds pretty catchy actually. 
And I remember kind of giving you a shout later on. It was about, I think we'd done that like more mid morning kind of time. Mm-hmm. And I gave you a shout like, like night time. I think you came around to pick me up. Stuck it in the car. Went, stick it in the car. I was like, right, let's go spin and listen to this. And it was like, you know, that was like really, you know, was like, that was like a, that was like a light bulb moment. That he wasn't sticks it, it on. I was like, fucking hell, how's he done that? <laughs> and he goes out and he showed me. And I was like, Jesus Christ, it was that easy. <laughs> that's, then, that's crazy that it's literally the simplest of things oh, that, that, that make it click after Simple all that but kind of thinking it's, I mean sometimes certain songs do need a kick in the arse but see a lot of songs that that I've written you know I've written in 10 20 minutes yeah. and these are songs that are you'd think took a long time to write I, I remember was it Noel Gallagher said that he uh uh, Live Forever or Champion Supernova was like in like 25 minutes and I thought they were having a Chinese or something was it? <laughs> I think they were having a chip and he went in the room and he wrote Supersonic <laughs> yeah that's what it was uh, before they had finished straight after a King Rib Supper crazy yeah I mean and, and it's mental because like that so I mean Live Forever will live forever right yeah, in a way right back. like in terms of it being an immortal piece of music so it's, it's crazy like because you would imagine like we were just saying there's like a process that you think it's going to be like oh it needs to be this long and that and then literally it just Know, clicks and it just goes like that, like you know, learning to ride a bike, you know, that kind of analogy. Aye, it was just Ken, when, I, when I wrote that, when I wrote Take It For a Ride, I was just like, Who the fuck have I done that? <laughs> <laughs> just sort of just like a, I was like, Whoa, okay, yeah. all right, fine. I was straight on the blow to him, I was like, Listen to this. Is it, is it like a something that you felt like if you could bottle it and just save it that you would, if you know what I, I mean? Well, it's funny because I've got like a wee vault and it's like a vault, I've got that many <laughs> songs, and I can't, I can't remember who I was speaking to. And I'd only been writing for so long. And they're like, how many songs you got now? I was like, about 80. Mm. And like, 80? Wow. I was like, I about 80, but I was like, 10 and I were good. <laughs> oh, right, aye, aye. But that's what I'm saying. But, you know, many of them might be all right. Do you know what I mean? But That's I my kind of constant argument with you. It's like, kind of, yeah. the 10 you think are good, the other people might think that 10 are rubbish, but the other 70 are great kind of thing, you know? Yeah. I think like, it's kind of, I remember seeing a comedian talking about writing jokes and that. And I, like you were saying, like, maybe he would write like 150. And like twenty five would make it, yeah. And they make a cut, yeah. But like almost having the quantity makes you uh, identify the quality. If that makes sense, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird the way it works. But I think you know different people write different ways, mm. and their methods are different. There's no right method. No no method is right. Um, everybody's got different tastes in music. Everybody's totally different. I mean, he. I mean, Jamie will You're probably write totally different totally for you. Different to me. I do, yeah. I would like, I would kind of study music obviously at school and everything like that. I would kind of go in and think, like, kind of academically about chord structures and everything like that. Whereas I think you would just like put the chords together and say, that sounds rubbish, that sounds good, kind of thing, that sounds better. Yeah, and then just go, how can I part of this up with mega lyrics? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and then like, I usually kind of, lyric wise, I always enjoyed writing songs, kind of told a story, like, Beginning, middle, and end mm-hmm. idea. Whereas yours is kind of totally different, really. It's all over. Some of your songs are like that, to be fair. Some of your songs so kind of tell a story. Yeah, Other like. Other ones just generally exhaust about life. <laughs> yeah, going out and getting absolute. I rarsed in that. There's a lot. I mean, I don't know. I think there was like one of the one of the songs I wrote, really upbeat song. And I wish I'm good. I might change the lyrics, but. Sort of in that vault <laughs> when aye, it's like all done, but what else? <laughs> and it's like a, it's a, oh, I woke up, Snapchat stories. What was it? A hundred seconds? Oh no! Because no, when you're oh. when you're absolute away with it. Oh, was it? 
Oh, I think it's never stay where you 100 are. seconds, overload nuts. Um, the way we rock and roll. That's what I, I think that's what it is. And do you know, like, remember when Snapchat had second, it had a, it had like seconds count, like a, like a countdown. Aye. Mm-hmm. Uh. And it was like 100 seconds. So that, if it's like 100 seconds and you know you were absolutely away with it. Yeah, you're like. Because. You know, what, what book of secrets am I about open here? Yeah. <laughs> Jack Daniels in the bar didn't think we drank that much. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then you just wake up in the morning and go, What have I done? Yeah, yeah. And you start flicking through them and you go, Oh no. That's like the hangover on top of the hangover. <laughs> like, like it's just being there and like a. That's kicking the mammonies down. That's what it is. Like, <laughs> that's what it is I, but then I wrote that song. I must have wrote that song, Hangover at Sand, because, well, I think that's the way it sort of speaks for himself. But that's probably. From my side out, because I kind of tend to get free reign with writing some of the kind of lead stuff and the kind of general riffs and the hook lines and everything like that. Like, obviously, the main hook is the way we rock and roll and the way that it's sang and everything like that, and it is the main that's what draws into the song. And like, kind of, I enjoy like the free reign I get to kind of write a riff over the top of that. Maybe take about five or six attempts and that's not right, it's not right, it's not right. Like, you know, it's good that we're there to kind of push each other to do something better. It's like, what do you think? No, no, no. Why are you tuning it down to C, Jamie? It's It's good to have another opinion as well, though, right? Because if you just become, you know, encapsulated in your own kind of thinking, then you're never going to grow as a person, right? Whatever you do. No, I mean, at the end of the day, like, you can't butcher your own song and you can't let anyone else butcher it either. And then again, that's going back to the perfectionist because you don't know what's good and you don't know what isn't. No, I think we're lucky with songs that take it for a ride. Like, I wrote it self. Uh, basically, I uh, because it's the way we rock and roll. I think it was a few attempts I did that trying to get that, but I nailed it down. I think I done pretty well with lead parts. To be fair, yeah, the solo and everything. Never stay where you are. I think that's one we need to revisit. I think you know these songs just need mega mixes. To be yeah. honest, I mean you know get a get a great demo down and then just send it away. Get somebody to do what they can with it. I mean. Probably gonna go through a couple of engineers to do that, but mm-hmm. I don't care. I just want to get the song. Yeah, I just want to get it right. Do you know what I mean? No matter what and when you release, it's always going to be a jump into the unknown, right? Because mm-hmm. you can have your own opinions on your song, but you're never going to be able to gauge. And everyone's going to view it differently, right? Because music is such a subjective thing. Yeah. Um. But but yeah. So is it quite cool seeing like a song come together from like kind of you know like you say you start off with a beat and then the lyrics come onto it and then so on and so forth. Strange, really, isn't it? Well, a lot. Of the, well, this is when I was saying to you about the way I write now. It's way different to when I, what I used to write. How I used to do it. Uh, when I'm like, a, a, it's like my brain's like a wee receiver thing. It's like you can switch it on, but you can't switch it off. Mm-hmm. And your brain, my brain goes away and does something, and all of a sudden, I could be at McDonald's drive-through, and it's like a, okay, where did that come from? And I'm hearing the whole song in here, mm-hmm. so I'm hearing. I'm hearing melody, I'm hearing the guitar, I'm hearing the bass, I'm hearing the drums, I'm hearing if there's keys, back and forth, and I'm hearing the song already done, so the main thing is, is to go to the studio and make that come out of the speaker, so what you hear in here, it's quite difficult to do that. By transferring it from your mind to actual kind yeah. of physical form, yeah, in a way. pretty much. Was Rob your phone and start humming everything into it, try and catch it. I was actually at the McDonald's drive through eh? Seconds. <laughs> 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 to make a massive music career over here, <laughs> and um, but like no, because you do really do not know when. I exactly. It's it's gonna, like, and the moment will pass, right? And 
was there anything that kind of sparked like you know how you say that you the way that you've written's changed and I imagine it's probably changed over a progressive period of time but can you remember anything that kind of like you can put like a marker next to like oh like this is different from what I did from starting off I don't know I was sitting in a I was I think I was in a bath and it's like I just felt I don't know I just wrote better songs there mm. I wasn't literally in the bath with a pen and paper but <laughs> I would like Put the idea into my phone and then go back. Someone get a hair dryer. <laughs> but no, like I'd go back and revisit it once. You know, I'd put it into my phone, and then after that, I'd go grab a guitar and you know start. And when you're humming it into your phone, it's it's more like just like you're mumbling it, and there's some lyrics in there maybe. It's just the melody you're after, and then you can build the song around that. So what what goes into like the recording phase of of it? All in build, building, creating a song, if you will. The way that we, well, see, it's all kind of changed now. Mm. In all fairness, your stuff probably would have been out by now, but like, is it more complicated a, now or more simplified? It's, it's complicated for me. For my thirtieth birthday, I'd got a MacBook um, Air off my mum and dad because mm. I was wanting to kind of progress with the times for recording music. So I'd done that and I'd downloaded Logic Pro. Uh, other uh, other different recording platforms are available. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, allegedly. This is no sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> I downloaded Logic Pro 10 and it was like. If you would like to sponsor us, <laughs> anyone's welcome. No, it was kind of. It was hard enough to get to grips with this machine. It's got all these buttons and then you've got like a kind of screen and then it's like more buttons inside the screen. And it was just like kind of. It's like jumping at the frying pan and going straight into the fire, fire. if you know what I mean. Because like, there's so much more depth in there. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of stuff that makes it a lot more user friendly. Like if you kind of play something out of time, it'll like instead of having to go and do a take again, then what it'll do is it'll pull it in line for you mm-hmm. and different things. But it's taken a lot of time to actually. I think I had like eleven weeks like furlough last year, and like I'd spent a lot of time with, on that. As well as doing kind of other things and everything, and they're like that's not enough time to get to grips with it. So, how how was the we'll, we'll leave out this year's lockdown. We'll just say that never happened. But mm-hmm. um, the, the first like full on draconian like stay at home, mm-hmm. then I go outside your garden. Otherwise, you're getting battered. Kind of <laughs> message that ever last year never happened. <laughs> no, well, well, I'm only twenty five. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would imagine you've had a lot of time to think about songwriting and stuff like that. I've got to be honest with you. I was struggling mentally. I had a, uh, I had a lot, of, well, I had a lot of anxiety issues. Yeah, well. mate. I never picked a guitar up for quite a while. Mm. Um, I didn't write anything. I mean, as I said, when I was lying in my bed just watching TV, I had songs coming in and out of my head all day. Yeah. And I never wrote them. And that was probably contributing to like the way you were feeling. Like I've oh, just let that go. And just let that go. And I'm telling you, a lot of loads of them were very, very good. Mm. Mm. So I, it's kind of depressing. I know that. <laughs> yeah, a number one hit's gone. <laughs> yeah, I think because it was like, what was it like? You know, we're not talking. This is not about coronavirus, but we'll talk. About, we'll talk about it briefly. Um, it, they said it was going to be three weeks, right? And then obviously it wasn't. Uh, and everyone, I think everyone was kind of maybe of the mindset of like, oh well, three weeks be like a holiday, right? As bad as that sounds, but then as soon as it wasn't that, you know, like for me personally, like. Like my gym had got shut down and that, and I was trying to keep my momentum up and stuff. And then the next thing you know, like the only thing that was open was takeaways, and I was watching the news, so <laughs> it was getting poisoned in both ends. You know what I mean? Uh, but um, yeah, but well, hopefully we're we're um, 
we'll leave that there. But <laughs> the start off for me, it was like three week lockdown. It's like, all right, there was jobs to get done about the house and everything like that. And then like after like the first week lockdown, my boss is like, it's gonna be another three weeks on top of that. It's like six weeks to go out. So I've all these jobs to do in the house. It's like I'm just spreading them out then. Mm. And three weeks turned into like, it's like it was seven weeks. I was an extra week on. It's like no, it's, it's gonna be another few weeks. So like I'd like done everything by this point. I think I had two weeks left. So I'm just gonna like, just smash Dread Dead Redemption. Like yeah, so <laughs> what I did. Uh, like it was like the last two weeks, and then I went back to work. And it's like absolutely knocker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like kind of like doing all this like manual labor and everything. I've just like slothed it for the past two weeks in front of a TV playing mm-hmm. the PlayStation. I think like even like stuff like Zoom calls and stuff like that. It just didn't do it for me. I didn't feel like I was socializing. Do you know what I mean? I still felt like I was just being on the internet rather than actually speaking to people. You know, it was. It was a bit kind of put like so my mum and dad like kind of they just live like literally around the corner from me, so like, kind of seeing them more or less on a daily basis. My mother was a renal patient. She had a kidney transplant, so mm. she was one of the people. Herself, she was one of the people who was shielding, and my dad was furloughed. He's in the building trade. So he was furloughed for he was furloughed for ages. ages yeah. So like I don't think him and my mom went back to work until like November last year, and then my mother was off. I was off like December when everything was shut down again, and there was after Christmas like there was still people furloughed again because like the building sites weren't quite up and running and everything because everything that had happened after Christmas was so my dad was like furloughed again. We'd got a puppy just before Christmas, so like they were looking after her whilst we were back <laughs> at work anyway. So. Well, it was well timed if anything else. Oh, I remember um the guy that finished off this place, Paul um uh, Paul Young the uh, Paul Young. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of my best pals. I, he finished off the door and this was about August time and I think he'd only been back to work two weeks. I, I mean I got it, I was like, What? He did, he did say he was over here. Um but I, we'll, we'll, we'll get we'll get back to the music. We're, we're branching off into coronavirus. Get out of COVID again, it's hard in eighty though, isn't it? I uh, know it's just because it's such a it's taken over everything. I pretty much like the new version of politics and politics hasn't even died from it it's just oh. politics and covid are into this mutant thing now but anyway uh so i'd imagine you benefit from having a, a guy like jamie helping you and stuff like that because obviously when like you said when you went into this you were in uh you know going in blind basically and jamie's got quite a bit of experience and yeah. one thing that you mentioned jamie was you were in a band called small talk yeah that was 2009 circle 2008 something like that so how, how did that come about was it was it you and like friends and that that kind of started it or started like, there was loads of kind of different lineups and everything like that the way it kind of started was I started jamming with like probably like, my longest serving friend the guy does he mean um, he like literally just used to like that guy I was on about um, and it was the filmmaker I shot like, where he stays like there's like a kind of he stays at a houses at three the middle one there that's where Dazzy used to stay like mm-hmm. when we were kids so I've known him since I was like three four years old very creative neighbourhood as it's turning out I, to be here so yeah so yeah Dazzy was like um, I'd known Dazzy like, like for years then we were back at school and like kind of we were different years he had also went high to live in St. Jardine's so like I'd only ever kind of see him out with school kind of thing and then he had moved over to the side of the tune. He stays just up in Cooler. He used to stay sorry up in Cooler Bank Road, but um, so I'd got in t- contact with him because I was like wanting to kind of start playing music again, and I knew it was a kind of similar interest in music and everything. Anyway, we were friends anyway, so kind of I always kind of singer rhythm guitarist, so the idea was kind of carry on with that, and then he would be kind of lead guitar, and then we're like looking for a drummer. Um, 
Ozzy's uh, Christian, so he there's a couple of others like, like kind of Baptist um, Baptist church he goes to. It's like obviously a big band and everything like that. Everybody's like there's loads of musicians and everything through that. So it was a guy from Lossy that ended up becoming our drummer, a guy Danny Robinson. I believe he stays in Edinburgh now. I've not seen him in ages. No, I really need to catch up with him and see what he's doing. Um, he was our drummer, and then with a few kind of like kind of different people that kind of picking like in like bass guitar. There's a guy I'm friendly with. He had actually I served my time as an apprentice mechanic at Arnold Clark in Elgin. Um, there was a guy who was in his final year of training when I was in my first year. Um, he is in Aberdeen now. He actually has a recording studio oh, right. called Derange. Um, he had like after he had finished serving his time, he had then went and studied music and production and everything through in Aberdeen. Mm. And he came out and had, him and his mate that he played in a band with, they'd started up the um recording studio. So um. <sighs> That was like kind of like Dazzy's brother Callum as well. He'd be kind of sometimes filling in bass, but the core kind of members was just me and Dazzy main. So it was like kind of we would always kind of jam together and everything like that, hang out. So it was like kind of that was how small talk kind of basically started. So we kind of done loads of like Libertines, um, Foo Fighters, <clears throat> Arc Monkeys, just general kind of songs like that. Is that when like you were? Back into music again, like you were yeah, that was when I was kind of that routines. was like that was when that was what kind of drawn me back into it. Were, were you like gigging and stuff like that as well? Yeah, kind of playing different kind of places and everything like that. It was like kind of, I think kind of main one kind of done like biggest crowd was probably the, wall, the very first Wall of Rock that was on. Mm. That was like yesterday. That was must be about oh, ten years ago. I can't remember why they stopped that again. Was it something to do with the wall? Yeah, I think it was the wall like came in. Yeah. Oh, that was pretty dangerous, though. Wasn't uh, it was yeah. pretty grim, to be honest. So, like the first, the biggest gig, like the biggest crowd, because it was massive. We played was there, <sighs> and it was like, can I remember? I can really remember that kind of like nobody like we weren't as big as like other bands that was gonna play on later on that night, but like it's gonna sound so hard. We actually were good. We were very tight. Mm. We could play all the songs. It was like bands like The View. We like kind of done that. We done Ocean Color Scene. Even like Pink Floyd and other brick in the wall because it was the wall of rocks mm-hmm. at the wall. It was kind of the whole idea. We opened with that, and I think the song we finished with was "Libertines Can't Stand Me Now" because that tend to be the song we always ended on. Mm-hmm. Which is actually for two guitar parts, actually quite an intricate song to play for time and wise and everything like that. Yeah, so it's quite impressive. And then you sing it at the same time as well, which doesn't make it any easier for myself. Yeah. So yeah, that was kind of how small talk kind of. Start and then like Dazzy went away to uni and things had kind of faded again and then like the only kind of thing that was really piquing my musical interest was like obviously working on Jamie normal life getting yeah. in the way of things again is, well and normal life well you know uh, working whatever you want to call it yeah, yeah. the mundane <laughs> <laughs> but no then I think it was 2000 and s- when did I get engaged 2017 just like summer 2017 a guy from what's it Graham Lennon he'd been starting up a band and I think things weren't working out like kind of like people like, diff- like kind of different musicians coming and going and things like that and it was like it was playing pubs and everything like that so something I'd always kind of wanted to do because it was always, it was never like kind of proper pub gigs or anything we played but the problem with playing pub gigs is like the steamboat stage is big enough for a drum kit and that's it so like, Aye, it's very uh, cramped to the best it's, of times it's tiny it's, it's ridiculous but like so we kind of the idea was he would have himself singing and playing rhythm guitar. He needed a lead guitarist, and he was like looking for a bassist or a keyboard player. So kind of 
I basically blocked so my father had offered me to go and play guitar. To be fair, it's like hi, I'll do whatever in the ball. Like can I see like can I so did nothing in it hard was going to be getting played anyway then like can I keep it like total hold the line it's like that's a ridiculous soul <laughs> <laughs> like I have to go all the way back to like I was 16, 17 like speeds again like, kind of yeah. thing. So, like can I start playing there with that but that's obviously just like it's just a cover band that plays in kind of bars and everything like that it's never like can you I, improved a lot though I know <laughs> the choice <laughs> I, I noticed a big difference yeah. it's like playing like kind of like once a week for about 20 minutes and then it changed to about like every night for about three years after work <laughs> no choice but to do it it's like I can't mind how to play like any of this kind of things going from the kind of trying to alternate picking like kind of like literally shredding to like kind of barely being able to like play an octave chord slid up and things like that it was like kind of it was getting poor but like it after small talk I like kind of stopped playing like and then just like stopped kind of jamming with daddy it was like about It'd been a good like four or five years since I'd properly kind of played and everything like that. So that was like the longest period I would say I was out of music. And then kind of going up, even like literally having the thing on my back over me, like standing for an hour, it was like, this is agony. Yeah. <laughs> just holding on the guitar for so long. It became just so alien to me. Do you think you have been good for each other in terms of helping Jamie out with like his uh, songwriting, trying to release music and that? Is getting you back into music, and obviously the experience that he brings from his past experience helps you out. That's awful. <laughs> no, I um, have to say. Oh well, that's the end of the show, guys. <laughs> See you later. No, um, I think that like. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I would say that the, kind of the good thing about it was like I was always interested in like the kind of production things and everything like that. So that was why I kind of initially offered in the first place. Like I didn't need to get a record studio. I've got like all this kind of crap that I can do it with. Kind of thing, and then it was like it was a good laugh, kind of day and everything like that. It's like it'd be good to record and get the blooper reel. It's like kind of like, yeah. like kind of three like seconds and half. It's like forgetting a cue and on like that. Just like, I'm putting on a metronome. I don't want one. <laughs> it's like you're making it's a like a three year old in the middle of the supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> Tantrums and that. Aye. It's gonna be all top of the Argos catalog with a drumstick. You know what's funny though? It was just like the man and all of a sudden it was just like a, it just clicked. And everything was just like, because I'd never recorded before. No, timing was awful so at start. Timing was like way off. Here's me thinking, can I be off? I play guitar all the time. <laughs> yeah. It's like, little did I know. Speeding up and then slowing down and everything like that. It's like, no, it's like, neat, yeah, click track. Jamie's sitting there going, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like being involved in music, is, I, I, it feels from the outside looking in that you have to be quite ruthless to be at it in terms of, like you said, you don't want someone, you know, Ultimately, the song is yours when you're putting it out there, and but at the same time, if his performance is off, you have to say it to him because you can't just be like, "Oh yeah, no, that's yeah. great," because it's going to get found out down the line. Yeah. We're near, we're near there. Kind of, it's none of it's personal though. It's like okay, so it's like, no, you can do that better. Yeah, it's like you've got a time where we need it again. It's like it's not. The idea is like yeah, it's, it's not like it's not just my standards. It's high. It's your standards are high as well. So, you know, I'm there too. Is that, yeah. Does that improve you both? Because your ha- standards yeah, are so high. So, yeah. yeah, I would say so. I would say so, definitely. Anyway, like, the bands I've played and even like through school and everything like that, like, kinda, like, like when it came to like, talented musicians, they were all like, kinda, like a guy I used to play with, Scott Hackett, like his lead guitar, like most of the bands I was kind of playing with in school. And it's like, like, he played violin to start with, so I think that was maybe probably but had something to do with like how you kind of, so obviously kind of hands going up down like a kind of fretboard idea mm. but he was like kind of seriously talented guy who was like late years ahead of me very quickly kind of thing 
And I was like playing guitar like about six, seven months before he'd even started. And it was like just like they were hanging out one night, like, can I come in my house? I like, come in my room and so just like pick up a guitar and start playing things. Like, I can't even play that. He's <laughs> like, you don't even have a guitar and I can't play that kind of thing. And there was like loads of folk, it was in my year. Like people that are still like in Lossy, a guy like Craig Taylor, Kev Main, they were both great guitarists, both played bass as well, really well. And it's like another guy, Ray Leslie, I think he stays in Inverness now. Another kind of really talented guitarist. That was someone that kind of started playing after me, but I think like a lot of it is to do with like, you know, there will be natural talents in it. Like some people kind of get along better than others, but like these people obviously kind of put a lot of effort into how good they became and everything mm. as well. Another guy, Andrew Lark, as well. Like, I've seen him, like, he plays, like, in a lot of different styles and everything. And, like, he's another guy that can obviously, like, i actually seen, like, kind of literally learning to play guitar. Like, sh- I even, like, shown him how to play, like, in a few bits and bobs and everything when he first started out. And it's strange to see, like, kind of, like, how I was left behind and how they all became <laughs> so much better than me, kind of thing. It's funny, though, when I, when Jamie came over to jam with me for the first time, and I'd... I hadn't been playing all that long, so I wasn't all that good, but I was all, I, I was getting there. Huh. And he just started busting out all these tunes, and I'm like, what are you doing? How are you doing that? Like, I had no idea. And I, 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 I didn't know how good he was, but he was sitting there telling you that he was probably wasn't good at that point mm. because he'd stopped, he wasn't playing as much. There's a famous quote, comparison um, will take confidence from anyone, right? If you, like, you know... Like I, I, I was listening back to one, you know, not vain or anything, but I was listening back to one of my <laughs> podcasts, right? And uh, I was hearing myself go and and um, and I was like getting really bothered about it. But I was like, okay, you know, you're comparing yourself to people that you listen to that have been doing this for years on end and that, and you're going to get better as you you go along in that. And I think yeah. it's kind of like self inflicted torture when you start doing that to yourself, if you know what I mean. But just before we move on to my next question I wanted to kind of ask you is about the whole kind of reality TV side to music in terms of shows like you know like talent shows and that all can't these. be done with yeah. reality TV in general yeah um, I don't I don't watch them but I, I am aware of them I think I think it it sort of ruins some things for musicians as in like so like rock and roll musicians they're you're no good. You're no good to X Factor that unless you want to be a pop musician. Yeah, exactly. Really, yeah. and even that. You've got to look a certain way as well, right? Aye, even even pop musicians these days. What are pop musicians these days? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. See, back when back in the day, pop music was a mix of everything. Mm-hmm. So yeah. everything that was popular. Yeah. Nowadays, you know, you've got to have a number in your name, and <laughs> you, know, you, you sort of have to put a rap in the middle of the song, and that yeah. it's like, you know, I mean, I got twenty songs. Out of the maybe the iTunes top twenty, you know what I mean? Like I, twenty songs, I'll maybe like one. Mm. I remember. Uh, I, I would imagine. Well, more than me, to be fair. So what's the pick us up for for X Factor? We're sellouts. We're good to go. But uh, I, I was listening to um, Richard Ash- Ashcroft, uh, the guy who used to be the lead singer in Bear, the yeah. and stuff like that. I, I love him. And he was talking about like a lot of the kind of commercialization of what we were just talking about in terms of like you know you've got to have this you've got to have that and it's like just, just play music do you know what I mean like like what's the point? <laughs> I mean there's someone that's sitting behind a desk right that has no experience in music, music whatsoever. Are, are judging people and on music there, and they're sitting there going, "Nah, you can't sing." Like that's crazy. Like it's pretty, it's pretty bad. But Shadow Cole's telling somebody they can't sing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> When's the last time you watched X Factor? By the way. Well, I, I just, just no, but she's the one that I remember that really cannot sing. Ah, you're like no, but 
there was like Mel B or something. I think she was oh, on no. the oh, American. She, Ameri- she, <laughs> she was on the American one, and I thought I think it was American. I, I can't remember. But there was this guy that, that sang on the on the um on the subways. I bought whatever in in America. You know the oh busks in the, the subways. Tubes, yeah, the tubes. The are. tubes and that, right? And this guy would um sing that Elvis melody, right? And um I was like, holy shit. This guy's like I was I was watching the videos before, before he was even on the X Factor, mm-hmm. and then I noticed on YouTube, he went on to X Factor and decided to get a shot, and he'd been, you know, busking there for forty years. Mm-hmm. This guy's one of the best singers I've ever heard. Yeah, and she was like, "Oh no, I don't think you're ready." What? <laughs> Simon Cowell looked at her in disgust and went, "That's real music. What you were listening to backstage was just utter garbage." Yeah, and plus, like, you're not ready. He's been busking on the street for 40 years. You're not years. ready. He's got, like, what, 30 years? <laughs> well, what, 20-odd years experience? And however many thousand million views on YouTube after, like, his different but stuff and everything thing, like that. But do you know what I couldn't get up? I, I couldn't understand that he was just incredible. Like, he was incredible. Mm. Like, one of the best singers I've ever heard. Like, he was great. I think it shows the power of like record labels and stuff like that as well when they commercialise it like I always remember uh, I watched this, the Stone Roses documentary and there's a bit where uh, oh, what's the Stone Roses guitar John oh, John Squire uh, something to do with like they were trying to release their second album and the mm-hmm. record label was being a bit iffy about it and that so they went over like cans of paint and absolutely tanned the guy's house with it and, and clarted him in the process and I kind of like that kind of rebellion of it, right? Because <laughs> all the all the stuff that we're talking about in terms of the commercialization of that of music and, and what they want these people to be, it's to fund big business, right? It's nothing to do with like art or anything like that. That has to be Manny's idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It had to be <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, you're right. I mean, it, I, th- I think you know, it's like if the face fits. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, I'm not gonna lie. When I was about sixteen, I had to go on X Factor just to try it. Well, mm. it's. It's but kind of targeted at like a young demographic as well, right? Yeah. And I, it can be quite an unhealthy thing, especially when you see like people like breaking down in tears because they've been voted <laughs> off. And it's like, you know, this isn't the end of the world. You can go elsewhere. Mm. Do any of you boys remember seeing that thing and it was like, um, it was all Mars and you read uh, like the wrong person? Mm-hmm. What does that say to you? That's <laughs> Omar's yeah. can't read. <laughs> it's not, it's not, no, but he's got it in his ear. True, so right. it's like, it's a fix. It's got to yeah. be a fix. It can't be... Can't be real. It can't be. It has to be manipulated for drama, right? I think it's exactly it's like you were saying about the Jeremy Kyle show. It's yeah. all. It's not. You I think know. the whole kind of thing, like for me with X Factor, was like you found that everybody went on and like had some kind of weird sob story and nothing like that. Aye, and, it's like, aye, and then like, they just cue the emotional music. I could have had a belter as well. <laughs> like aye, anything like that. Like just dog died, mate. I would have won. Yeah, they wouldn't have even had the finals. You just would have won in the audition room. <laughs> I would have got the golden buzzer, but that's They wouldn't even have bothered hearing the show twice. They just put you on TV, Ken. <laughs> so there's no X Factor this year. We've already <laughs> found the person. <laughs> so I think that was the bit that really, sorry to interrupt. I think that was it really, like, kind of made, like, gave me my complete disdain mm. for reality TV with things like that. Like, things like Big Brother and I just couldn't be done with Yeah, that. and it's just, it was nonsense. It, it, I don't think it's. I mean, it's kind of hard to say whether it's getting worse or not because I think people are kind of more drawn to the internet side of it now. But do you know, do you know what gets me? Right, he's got as I said about about that guy that was busking for mm-hmm. forty years and he was brilliant. Mm. And then you've got the Kardashians that are what how how rich? <laughs> for what? Excuse me. For <laughs> for, <laughs> for what? But really though, do you know what I mean? Like and their dad defending OJ Simpson. Yeah. Just 
it's just crazy. It's a crazy world. It really is. Especially like even like the like the YouTube guys have been doing the boxing and stuff like that. It's like it's just like nah, really nah. weird. Do you know what Dude. I mean? Like, <laughs> like, I think like, I message you about that. Yeah, that's yeah. just terrible. Like he's fighting Floyd Mayweather and that. Like, and if anything, I was like, I don't know who I'm going to criticize more here because. I mean, oh, I mean, I get it. Like, there, there's money, and I suppose I would probably do the same thing if I was in the position. But at the same time, I like, would take a beating for a couple of million. Yeah, exactly, ball. right. And then I was down the first round. <laughs> I, th- I think it'd be more like watching Sky try and like make some kind of case, like, oh, but Logan Paul's like six foot, and it's like, yeah, but Floyd Mayweather's nails like forty years of boxing experience that kind of counts for something. Beating and everything. Him. He's just the way he moves. He's like two hundred million for. For what? Not even an hour. Yeah, exactly. Like that's when, like when he fought Conor McGregor. That was like Floyd's, you know, ultimate fight in terms of I don't have to even speak here because this dude's going to do all the promotion for me. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean, like, what does my head in is though is you get all these boxers that are fighting their whole career to get to that exactly. Actual position. Aye, like there's people that's like fought years and years to try and get their chance against Floyd Mayweather. Money fight their big shot. And they're getting some YouTube guy getting it instead. You I think that's could literally do anything and make that sort of money. And like these, like the people that watch them are going to watch them do anything, you know. So like, I mean, I suppose fair enough for them for, for fighting and that, but it just takes away from people that was like literally, like you know, mo- the kind of common ground with like combat sports is they say there's nothing else someone could do. That's when they go into these type of things. Like mm-hmm. you know, they've got nothing else for them in life but this. Uh, yeah, we're drifting off the music again. So I, w- I wanted to get to um, Murray's local scene, right? Because I feel like we've got so many kind of music acts and bands. Obviously, um, you know, the corona situation, that's kind of put everything to a halt. But like, you've got like, I remember bands like, you know, uh, Bad Actress won a competition in uh, Inverness. You've got New Mode, obviously. And, you know, The Roof have been on the go for ages as well. But there's obviously lots of like acts coming through as well as that and solo artists and that. So, what what are your thoughts as a collective on on the local scene round here? I think it's just you've got nowhere to look. Yeah, I think you know it is what it is. I mean, if you know someone that's in a band, you know, by all means, go support them, go and see what they've got. But if you really want a music scene, you know, you want. I mean, even it's not it's not even the same down in Glasgow not anymore. Mm. In Manchester, I mean, it's still it's still there, but it's not what it was. Mm. And yeah. I don't think I think that's like that everywhere. Yeah, I think. And there was probably a better music scene in the nineties here. Than, you know, there I mean, is now. there's probably a lot of bands that we never even knew of, and they might have been absolutely brilliant because we were just kids, so we wouldn't have known. Do you think like digitizing like music in terms of like you know things like Spotify, SoundCloud, and so on? Do you think it's a good thing in a way of people get their names out there, but it's a bad thing in terms of it actually kills like the kind of physical aspect of like. It's music of going round and it's good and it's bad it's good because anybody and everybody can get their stuff out there now mm-hmm. and you don't necessarily need that record deal yeah whereas you're taking away from everybody queuing up and buying records at the shop where back in the day you, you know everybody would queue, queue for hours and hours and hours just to get I don't know definitely maybe back in the yeah. day before like think about how many people were queuing out for that I think it's just like the kind of monetary <laughs> side of it as well like I don't know exactly what it is like you get for every time that somebody plays your song on Spotify, I know it's like, like literally point something pence anyway. It's, all it's ridiculous. And like, my kind of, well, debatably my favourite band all time is a band called Enter Shikari. Um, I've followed them since like 2006. And they were kind of, like the kind of proper like, guys who were in the trenches with it. They like literally bought an old post van, this old, raft of an LDV 
postal service and like literally toured the UK with it. They were the band, the guys that like literally built a cult following and then done everything. They were done an idol record label. Nobody wanted to touch them or anything like that. So they thought, right, just stuff it. We'll just start our own record label and do it all ourselves. Mm-hmm. They came up with Ambush Reality and they done everything on their own. And like, kind of, if Spotify was around, I think when these guys were on the go for this talented and as much as I love them and their hardcore fan base love them, I don't know if they would have made it mm-hmm. in that kind of times, in a modern time, because. When the release Take to the Skies, their first album, people were out buying it, mm. physically buying this like album for like 11, 12 quid, whatever it was. I suppose it's like subconsciously makes it a more rare commodity to actually hear the music as well, right? Because obviously on Spotify, like it's available to just everyone instantly whenever it's released, which can be a good thing, right? Because it's obviously people don't have to wait as long on that. Well, well you think about £10 a month for a month. Yeah, exactly. I have Spotify. I've got it the same I've got it as well. I can't. Yeah. I really can't. Same. This podcast is on Spotify, <laughs> so we're definitely shamelessly we're dropping d- it in there. We're, like we're, we're definitely, <laughs> definitely not saying anything bad about the company. It's a good thing, but well, um, it, is, it is, it is quite, it is quite annoying though because think about how much money was made in music mm-hmm. all them years. People buying records, people also like deletes yeah well just what i was about to say also deletes like a bit of an experience from like modern day life like you said like getting in a bus and tour in the uk and that that's probably gone in yeah. terms of with, with this kind of stuff right especially with other things now like you know zoom concerts and stuff like that because people are so digitized and on the internet now that that will kick off but um tiktok yeah exactly tiktok's ruining music <laughs> well how long does a tiktok video last only about like Aye, uh, something like that. So like you need to like get like everything. You need to get like a hook of a song and everything within the first twenty seconds, yeah. so you can get your song on TikTok so everybody likes it. And like you only kind of look at like old songs. Like you'd be like a, a minute and like a minute, a minute and a half into it. Like like the kind of the intro's not even finished. I think it's it's also keeping like people's attention span, which is getting lower and lower each day. Like uh, when I look at the analytics and that, like I think the average watch time or listen time on this on, on YouTube anyways like five minutes which you know obviously you know we're a lot of people you know most people watch it for like the hour and that but people that are not like subscribing or whatever that come from the outside three minutes and they're gone again and I think it's just the same with like everything now right it's how much content can we fit into a small space to get that person's attention for them to leave something behind like a like or something that like this what kind of the world almost revolves around a like I, I like can go a long way, but like, see, what was I going to say? I, I think it, I think it's terrible the fact that I find myself doing this as well. Though, like, I'll be listening to an album and I'll be listening to it, so I can recognize a good song when I hear it, mm. pretty much instantly. And I could put this song on and nah, just change it, give it a chance. You know yeah. what I mean? I find myself uh, yeah. doing that, and I hate the I hate I hate that. It's al- it's almost like algorithms and stuff like that are almost teaching you not to come out of your comfort zone, right? Because everything you get recommended now is stuff that they're basing what you've watched or listened or whatever mm-hmm. previously. So they're like, oh, well, they're going to like this. Whereas, obviously, like, as it used to be, like, you might not like someone to start with or might not think you like someone to start with and then actually give it a chance. Yeah. And then it becomes, like, such a big part of your life or leaves such a big mark on you and whatever, you know? It's like a lot of series I watch. Mm. I thought, you know... <laughs> threatening you to watch Game of Thrones for years and everything like that. And I did and I was like, what? Like, I don't, 
Sopranos. Yeah, The Sopranos was the one I was about to bring up. It was like it took me six years to get through it all right because Sky kept the lean off the planet. <laughs> I would get through one season right because there were so many episodes and they were that long. And then I was like, right, I'll give it a couple of days and I'll be back. And then Sky would take it off it, put it on again three months later. And I was like, am I going to go all the way back to start? I was like, nah. And then we won't spoil the ending or that. But uh, <laughs> best series of all time. Oh yeah, James. Best series of all time, hands down. And I've seen a lot of seasons. Yeah. <laughs> I actually started binge watching Line of Duty just now. It's not bad. That's incredible. Mm. It's, it's very good. I, I think it was just because like the end, like obviously the last one's been like so hyped, and mm. from like that, I just like I'm start watching it for the beginning. So I think I'm in, like season three. It's really good then. Yeah, I'm watching it like a week. I started watching it. I was just in the background, like, what's this? And then the next day, I'd like binged it all and was like, where is it all? I was like, well, I've watched it. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's lost to the BBC iPlayer times now. But, uh, you know, when we talk about music scenes and that, if you look at cities like Manchester and Liverpool, like they're defined by music scenes that they've had over like 80s, 90s, 70s, 60s. Those things will never die, right? And I think it's such a shame that. This kind of digitization of that is going almost not well. I guess it would kill it, right? But certainly not make it leave the same kind of cultural impact that it did on those, right? Like if you still walk around Manchester City Centre today, how many people are going to be dressed like the Gallagher brothers or or Ian Brown and whatnot? But this is like the power of like, not just the music itself, but you know, the the band's impact had. You know, a lot of people a bit less than you would think nowadays yeah. because. All that boys are all dads and that, so mm. they're all like 40, 50 year old and they're going about in long trench, uh, no. green jackets and that, and it's it's cool. But I'd rather see much more people dressed like that, but I don't know, it's kind of weird, it's sort of like dying away a little bit. I remember watching uh, No Gallagher's High Flying Birds at uh, Tea in the Park 2012, and he was saying he was quite shocked to see how many like young people were there in that and I was about to say that was recently but like 2012 is nearly 10 years ago yeah, now, so it's not far off yeah yeah so uh, I guess maybe my kind of points are done there but uh, right we've got a, a couple more questions before we wrap it all up guys yeah. and they're kind of they're kind of more generic these ones so I'm going to ask both of you who are your favourite people in music off the top of your heads um, yeah, as long as you need mate <laughs> right um I think I'm gonna start off with some. I'm gonna start off with DMAs. They're doing some incredible things at the minute. I mean, their first three albums. I've I've not found a bad song yet, and it's very rare to do that to go into someone's. Mm-hmm. You know, music can sort of pick out a bad song. It's very difficult to do it to them. It, there's not one, and believe me, I've tried to find it, and kind of annoys me a wee bit how good they are. To go <laughs> and, uh, and then. The guy in the band called Johnny, his brother's got a band called Planet, and they're incredible. They're really good. And then Johnny's got a girlfriend called Haley Mary, and she's absolutely brilliant. So there's a lot of good stuff coming out of Australia at the minute. Mm. And uh, I mean, DMA, I mean, see, if you look at them, you'd think they were from Manchester, but the music they play and how they look, but they're from the other side of the world. Yeah. It just shows you how far the, the, that's the impacted. Local music scene can yeah. travel across the world, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, John Mayer, he's doing some mm-hmm. incredible things at the minute. Um, he just created a new song called Last Train Home, and it's like an 80s song. And I'm a big 80s guy. I love, you know, 80s movies and 80s music and, and all that. And when he came out with that, I was just like, how's he done that? It's just, it just, it's just incredible. I don't know. He's just brilliant. And then, who else? Richie Sambora is my hero. Um, he was a lead guitar player for Bon Jovi. 
So he's got incredible um, solo career. Absolutely brilliant solo career. Um, probably, I would say him and John were probably the Lennon and McCartney of the 80s. I mean, yeah. he'll write songs like Living on a Prayer. Yeah, exactly. Lucy Sambono is a very underrated songwriter, to be fair. Underrated guitar player, I would say. But, I mean, you've got You've got, you've got Love a Bad Name, you've got Living on a Prayer, Want a Dead or Alive, um, Bad Medicine. I mean, I've you don't just come up, that's just incredible. Like, how you can write that sort of stuff. But it's crazy how, like, when you see, like, a, a big group break up, they always think like, that's the end of them all, right? But so many people end up going to have successful solo careers, do you know what I mean? Well, Richie left the band in 2012. I think it was just a family thing. He just wanted to spend more time with his family and that. But, yeah, Bon Jovi was a massive influence, but Richie, very much so. Mm. Um, and then, obviously, Noel Gallagher was a big I, part I, of my, um, well, Oasis in general, really. But Noel went on to do some really good stuff with his new album and, it was very ballsy what he did. Yeah. It changed a lot. I mean, from the first album and then Chasing Yesterday. It's unrecognisable, right? Yeah, they were quite similar. And then, in a way, I mean, you could tell it was him. Mm-hmm. And then when he came out with that, I was just like, whoa. Everybody was kind of like, nah, don't like it, don't like it. So give it a chance. Yeah. I listened to the whole album. Last song on it is called uh, Dead in the Water. And the whole thing, I mean, from Four Knocks is the first song and it's there's not really any singing in it. It's just like no. an intro to the just genius. I mean, he went into the studio with no songs, mm. and uh, the, I think his producer said to him, "I just don't write anything. Just don't do what you normally do. Just come in and challenge yourself. Try something different." Mm. And he created that. Yeah, just genius. Yourself, Jamie. <laughs> um. So mine's kind of off as a broad kind of one. Um, actually, let's see the question again. Trying to ref- just your, your favorite people in music it can be anyone. Could be has to be favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, a collection of favorite people in music. Then Enish Kali would be definitely up there. Kind of people call him heavy metal, screamo, dance, trance stuff as well. Um, there was something completely different for the time and everything like that. Like kind of around about the same kind of time as Pendulum. It was quite refreshing, but like the guitarists and everything was something I liked. So like I've always followed them. I've been to loads of their gigs. Um, guy I started recently listening to Tim Montana. Really, really getting into him. Um, really talented singer songwriter. Um, some bands talented as well. Um, like Audio Slave, Soundgarden, Chris Cornell's probably my favorite singer of all time. Great voice. Great songwriter, like everything from like that was in Soundgarden. Like they were saying earlier on, like how like I like kind of um Arc Monkeys because the kind of like their lyrics and everything like that, how cryptic it was. Like Audio Save, like a stone. Like so many people could like relate to that song, kind of thing. So like definitely up there. Um, Chris Cornell's covered of Nothing Compares. Aye, that's something different. I like it's brilliant. Gaslight Anthem, actually, that's. Another band that's up there. They're really good. I'm hoping they're going to come out with a new album soon. I know they've been on about I eight for a while. But yeah, they're pretty really good. Then like Stone Roses and everything as well. It, it, especially when you bring up the Stone Roses thing, just because we're talking about Oasis a minute ago, I think I think it was even one of the uh, Gallagher brothers themselves said that if the Stone Roses hadn't have happened or hadn't, there would be no. Yeah, remember, remember seeing that um, interview. It was Liam that was at a Stone Roses concert and just like looked at your birds like, you're singing a band. 
He can do it. I can do it. Let's do it. And he says to his mom, he's like, I'm starting a Bond movie. I was like, yeah, well, you better. He's like, I want to be big. He's like, oh, you better. You don't need 20 quid. Because <laughs> she had to pay for this ticket or something like that. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, the Stone Roses are a massive influence. Stone Roses are a big influence for me. I think that's like more of a common ground. Oasis, yeah. I do like a lot of Oasis songs. I wouldn't say I'm as heavily in them as you. Mm-hmm. I'm never really keen on High Flying Bird. For someone that like prefers no like, other than Liam out the two of them, I mm-hmm. still actually preferred... Um, Stuff like BDI and like BDI and everything as well, Liam's own stuff. They've got some really, really good stuff. Aye, really clever. Like, I think I was like, kind of, it was more like my 60s kind of things, like obviously the influence of my father and everything, like kinks and everything like that. I think that's where like, kind of, how I like BDI and that so much. There's a lot of Beatles influence on BDI. Yeah. Um, I thought there's a lot of, um, yeah, singing a lot of like, Beatles songs. I think everybody has to like, kind of Beatles, like, rock and roll and everything else yeah. like that. That was another common ground that we had for small talk. We're both big Beatles fans as well. Two more, two more to go. Two more to go. Uh, so plans for the future for both of you. When's the music? Do you reckon it will be out? I don't want to like pressure for your date or anything, but we're gonna we are gonna start recording quite soon. It's the end of COVID and everything else like that. Um, so can I? I'm kind of like. Just let me write five more songs. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, how many you wrote? Four. <laughs> write one, one more. Okay. Let me write another five. <laughs> just another five. Okay, <laughs> we just need ten in the locker in case these ones going to cut it. It's like, you ever seen like Snatch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very start, it's like, can I how long is my sausage off? Five minutes, Tarkish. You said like, five minutes, ten minutes ago. <laughs> it's a guy, it's a guy. It's like, how many more songs do you have? I've just got five more to write, all right, no problem. And it's like, come back to the two weeks later. It's like, how are you getting on? It's like, ah, three more to write. It's like, no problem. It's like, give another week. It's like, how are you getting on? It's like, off. Six more songs, Jamie. It's like, I wait. <laughs> you know what it's like, though? It's kind of like, you know, like when you make, see when you make a big meal, right? And then you go, like, I know it's way too much. Yeah. Tomorrow yeah, yeah. there's going to be how much? <laughs> <laughs> so you just kind of go, I'm waiting for this album or the next album. You know, and. Yeah, oh, I love that analogy. I think every single person that watches will relate to that analogy. <laughs> well, it's kind of like, you know, because once. I mean, I'm going to release an EP, but, and then I sort of kind of want to crack on with an album after that, you know what I mean? So, I've got, I've got that sort of mentality where I kind of write enough songs, so why not have an album, why not do it, but take the time and get it right, don't, I think my suggestion was, like, the amount of songs that he's got, that we've done as well, like, you know, there's obviously, like, a kind of, like, we were just discussing this other day, actually, there's a certain style, who that you, like, want to kind of, this much pretty defined by like your identify by like so the songs that are within that kind of idea how like you want your album shaped or your EP shaped sorry like the sound of that will be kind of continuous all the way through but then the other songs that you've written that are in my opinion very good use them as b-sides so like when a tune gets released you release the b-side along with it which is something you'd obviously get like back in the day when you bought a single. Aye. So I think that was like, kind of quite a clever kind of thing to maybe put in with it as well and then give people like, it would expand to a wider audience that way as well. That way. So I think that's kind of something we're looking at doing. We were out in the car the other night and he was pulling out songs mm. and I thought I'd forgotten I'd written. Mm-hmm. And he's going, what about this? And I'm like, whoa, where did, whoa, what? <laughs> did I write that? <laughs> I was like, I, I, okay, fine, let's write it. But yeah, I mean, as you said, I mean, B-sides used to be Released quite a lot. I mean, if you go onto Spotify and onto like definitely maybe Oasis's first record, you'll see that there's 
there's B-sides on there. I mean, you've got songs like Fade Away and... Half the World Away is a B-side. Yeah. And, and, that's know, crazy that that's a B-side. Like, yeah. Even that's like, you know, a, a massive song. That's yeah. crazy. Um, yeah. So, yeah, crazy. not necessarily any time frame, but some of them are definitely going to be getting straight, kind of stuck into yeah. mm-hmm. very shortly, I think, because, like, my talents with logic's much better than what they were. There's a few folk online that's kind of quite good at giving me a hand with things as well. Mm-hmm. So... We'll be looking to kind of get the ball rolling quite shortly. Yeah, we've got stuff kind of getting. It's been a while. I mean, I've got to be honest. I mean, I wrote "Take It for a Ride" in probably twenty fourteen. Wow, that's how long that song. That's how old it is. Probably around that old. So that just shows you how long I've been sitting on a lot, a lot, a lot of music. So the other problem we've got is like kind of tend to sidetrack. So like, I've got about four or five songs like kind of written. It's like like just like as a kind of. It's like a kind of co-joint project. It's like, right, you see what you can do with this. So it's like the other way around kind of thing. So I'm like kind of handing stuff over to you as well. It's like, just put lyrics in it. Put, <laughs> <good ones. laughs> put, put lyrics in it and change bits if you win. <laughs> just make sure it's good. <laughs> so uh, when it gets uh, when it gets released and everything, you have to send us the, the links over. Yeah, of course I. Post it in the, the video. Eventually. Shameless plugs. <laughs> I think, um, you know, once I've sort of got something that I'm happy with all, Probably send it to Slack so people can see what they think. Um, yeah, it'd be good to kind of get it out there and then get like yeah. people's reaction first before everything kind of does go out properly, mm-hmm. whether it be in CD form or whatever. I mean, it's funny because I would sit and play all these new songs that I've just written, and the only person that hears them is my brother. He's just sitting there and he's just doesn't even take any notice. And I'm going, "What do you think of this?" Mm-hmm. Oh, it's all right. <laughs> 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 Cheers for the inputs too. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> Aye, he's the first one who hears everything. And if I think it's good enough, I'll send it to him and see what he thinks. But they're all just acoustic. I I just write an acoustic and I just bought a new guitar, so it's like a workhorse. I just sort of sit there and just play it all the time, just write. And uh, I'm constantly writing just as much as I can and to see. Must be cathartic for you to do that, stuff like that, like just writing constantly. Because like you said, when you stopped during the lockdown and stuff like that, that's when the kind of you feel like you need that in your life to keep you on like an even keel almost well it's funny it's funny she said I woke up today this morning eh, with an idea just I, just I just woke up and I was like phone yeah I start humming at the phone I was like I'm not playing guitar for you in the morning my mum would kill me <laughs> yeah but no like it's it's weird it's even when I'm it's even a w- it wakes me up when I'm sleeping so like my brain's just sort of dialed into doing it I don't know it's just the way it is some things are our best left a mystery, right? I'm not going to question it. <laughs> exactly. I'm not going to question it, no. One final question before we wrap this up, guys, and it's just simply, what does music overall mean to you? I'd imagine it could well, be... a life, to be fair. Everything. Isn't it? It means everything, really, to be honest. I could be having a real, real horrible day and just stick on, just stick a song on, like a particular song, I don't know, and it'll just instantly lift you up. Um, I don't think there's anything else that can really do that. Yeah, for such a humble tool, it can literally trigger any emotion yeah. that the person's playing it wants to. And see, once I've listened to that song, or however many songs I feel like listening to, my day's, are mu- my day's much better than it was. Quite yeah. powerful, that. Yeah, it's 100% powerful. Mm-hmm. Dudes, appreciate the time. Both of you coming on. Aye. And uh, yeah. 
we'll uh, look forward to hearing the music in the future. Yeah, no problem. We'll get it over you. Give you a tester before. Yeah, <laughs> before all the time. That's what you Explosive get for being a podcast host. <laughs> yeah. <these> perks. <laughs> Celeb. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. This podcast is also available on Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Spotify.